Charge to Enterprise. Lock on transporters. Beam is up. Scotty. Hello and welcome to Pod Me Up Scotty, a podcast where we rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I'm Ushin. And I'm Andrea. And today we are discussing Star Trek Enterprise Season 1, Episode 7, Breaking the Ice. Uh, Enterprise finds a comet which contains the rare element of a cilium, and then a Vulcan ship arrives to observe the behavior and methods of the human crew. And more importantly, we get a letter from a little Irish school. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> they are the protagonists of this episode. Changed my mind. They literally are, because they've asked so many questions that I had about this show, <laughs> about the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also raises the question, or it tells us, that Trip is Irish, or at least has Irish heritage or family. Because the drawings are from his nephew's class. So his nephews yep. are all the way over in Ken Mayer and Kerry. I love that. I didn't remember that from previous watches. But so much of the American population has Irish ancestry. It's crazy. So I'm not surprised. What I'm surprised about is that he's Southern and he still has Irish ancestry. Because usually... Yeah, I know, but like usually you see like New Yorkers or people from the north having Irish ancestry and then southern people have Spanish ancestry or Dutch or French. But, you know, it's a it's a welcome thing. Is Tucker an Irish surname? I've never encountered Tucker in Ireland, but I have never encountered some of the names that they mentioned. And some of them I was like, that sounds like a very American Irish name, if you know what I mean. But then I, I did my research and they are they are names because surprisingly we, we don't all know each other in Ireland. So there are going to be names that I haven't heard before. So also, this was the first episode that you hadn't watched before recording. I want to know your reactions because you asked me if I wanted to see your reactions via WhatsApp. Uh-huh. And I said no, because I wanted to have my reactions to your reactions recorded. Yeah, of course. So I'm dying over here. So can you please let me and all our three listeners <laughs> know <laughs> what your opinions were, please? I'm begging you. Yes, yeah, so this was the first new episode that I've watched, because obviously I have to rewatch the first six for our first six episodes. You wouldn't have got a lot of reactions from me via text. I think you obviously would have got a major reaction to the shout out to Ireland. But aside from that, it was a pretty quiet episode. The last episode before this was obviously the Andorian incident, which was pretty uh, revelatory in terms of the overall plot of the Vulcans spying on the Andorians and Paul's loyalty to the Vulcans possibly being tested or thrown into doubt as a result of that. This episode didn't follow up on any of that, which was disappointing, but not altogether surprising because Star Trek of this era has a tendency to do that. The overall plot isn't mentioned every week. I enjoyed it. 
I think it was a very strong episode. There is to Paul subplot, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. The stuff with the comet is not very interesting, especially because it involves Reed. But yeah, no, I enjoyed the episode. Yeah, I enjoyed the character work. I think that this was a character heavy episode and I enjoyed that. I think it was a good episode. It's a good, solid episode. Good. Good. I was worried you were not going to like it for some reason because you're not that fond of Trip and Trip is featured heavily today or in today's episode. But I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I'm glad. You can start to see something between T'Pol and Trip in this mean? episode. I think it's... What do you mean start to, Andrea? We we saw we saw something between them in the first episode. Yes, we... <laughs> we've, um... we've discussed that they have chemistry, but like, I mean more than just, you know, slathering cream or whatever, or gel on top of each other. Yeah, no, you can really start to see something there. Like, the chemistry that we have talked about up until now has very much been, let's say, sexual chemistry. There's been sexual tension between them, where there's not actually any hints of any kind of romantic chemistry, of any personal connections, whereas this episode definitely takes a big step towards establishing that kind of personal relationship. That's why, because I went into it not remembering exactly what this episode was, as I'm going to do with most of them. And when I realized what happened... I was like, oh, I need to know Oz's opinion on this because we've discussed the beautiful you're gonna split me up in two comments and the sensual decontamination scene and just it, overall they have great chemistry and I think it also may have something to do with just the actors. Sometimes they have more chemistry than other pairings. But when I say I'm here for the ship, I'm here for the connection, I'm here for the relationship. I'm here to see how a Vulcan and someone that has repeatedly, and in this episode as well, mistrusted Vulcans get along. And we don't know exactly what the contents of the letter are for a while. But just seeing his reaction to it is like, oh, yeah, he really cares about her enough to be like I don't want to tell you to the captain because that's basically what he does like if I tell you you're gonna feel very bad yeah and yeah maybe maybe Trip is a golden retriever dog with high energy but he's still a dog and he still cares okay (laughs) yeah no absolutely and I was watching this episode and I was thinking back to one of our first conversations where I asked you what was it about Trip, and I remember you saying that it was just a lot of different things and some various things he's done throughout the series, and I was thinking, oh, this is probably one of those episodes where that spark was ignited because he's empathetic, he's supportive, he's just a nice guy. Yeah, because at this point, they have nothing. There's no relationship there that he could use to be like, you're going to marry someone else and leave me. There's nothing like that. He knows that she wants to be on Enterprise, helping them with their mission. And I don't think he can see T'Pol as someone that will just leave the mission or the job for a marriage that she has no connection to. Because if obviously if she had, if she had a connection to it, she would have left the minute that she was contacted. But she already postponed it once. And it's just a nice episode to see how they start to yeah. get close, closer than other crew members may, ha- may have. 
But yeah, and it was one of the episodes that made me start catching feelings for Trip. Because it's like, oh, he's not a, an asshole. I don't think if Reed was the one that discovered the letter that he wouldn't have been like, Captain, look at this. Yeah. You know? And Hoshi, amazing. She didn't want to even read it. She's like, mm, I'm not reading this. You, if you want to do it, you do it. And yeah, I think it speaks on Trip's character that he behaves like that. And then it speaks on also the captain to not push it more. Like, oh, no, you tell me what it says. or And he's the one that be, he's like, you have to talk to her and let her know that you know that she got the letter. So, yeah, no, great episode for me. One of my favorites. Amazing. And the, I didn't care for the asteroid, though. <laughs> I didn't care for the comet, the asteroid, whatever it is, I don't care. Yeah. Just to go back as well to what you were saying, because you're right, it does build on their relationship, but also it's a good, they needed to do that because up until then they've had sexual tension, but there hasn't been really, they've almost, there's been an animosity between them. Obviously she's a Vulcan and Trip is a golden retriever and he's therefore very <laughs> captain and she's constantly kind of criticizing and butting heads in a way. So it is nice to see that they are a crew and there's obviously going to be personal ties there and it's nice to be, see them supportive of each other and I think he would be like that with, with anyone if it had been someone else who'd received a personal letter that he'd read or something. You can see him fulfilling that same role but also he's obviously very awkward about fulfilling that role when she calls him to her quarters. You, you can see he's uncomfortable with that level of personal discussion but he rises to the opportunity. And he doesn't he doesn't back away from it. I like that he's um he's he says So what can I do for you? Dr. Flox believes that it might help if I was to discuss my problem with someone I felt comfortable confiding in. You wanna to talk to me? Well, I um I'm not sure I'm gonna be much help. I mean I've only been in three relationships and they all went bust. He's the kind of person I think that would have very bad experience with women. I don't think he's a bad person, obviously. I love him. But I don't think he's the relationship kind, you know? Like, I don't think he's good with commitment. And, I mean, he's on a ship. So even if he had something good before being deployed, he lost that. So he's dedicated to his work, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it was fun. And then she was like, Are you sure you wouldn't rather talk to Hoshi or Ensign Kimball? She's married. You were far from my first choice. But speaking with someone else would mean more people knowing about my situation. I'll do anything I can. What's your problem? You read the letter. But yeah, of course, that would mean someone else knowing. And to Paul, it's like, you already know. So you're stuck with this. Yeah, exactly. I'm really curious to see how that pans out, because obviously I know they're going to get together at some point. It's pretty obvious, but I don't know when. Like, I don't know if it's this season or if it's next season. I'm avoiding looking at you in case you do give away something. But, oh, um... no, I'm not going <laughs> to no, spoil anything. I want your impressions. And also, I don't remember. I couldn't tell you if it's this season or the next. I don't remember. Well, I mean, it's... It's mad. We're only on episode seven. There's still like 18 episodes left in this season, so anything can happen. But yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that relationship develops because this episode definitely gave me a lot of confidence in how the writers will handle it. 
and I was very happy with how this episode did in that regard. Yeah, I do have a question not related directly to the episode, but do you know anything about Vulcan weddings? No, this was my first. Okay. I know about some Vulcan rituals. I can't remember the names of them. Uh, I definitely have seen episodes that focus on Vulcan mating. Not, well, obviously not actually features the mating, but <laughs> the rituals around it. <laughs> what episodes are those? I want to see. <laughs> no, so I'm aware of certain aspects of Vulcan culture, but not the weddings. Yeah, I don't know how prevalent Vulcans are in the series that I haven't seen, like Deep Space Nine, Voyager, or whatever other shows I haven't seen. What? She's annoying. Um, so I don't know how much of Vulcan things you've seen, because I don't know if there are many Vulcans around in those shows. Yeah. But in the original series, obviously you have Spock, and... I am ready for that discussion with you. Okay. Yeah, because I was thinking, watching this episode, when they're discussing the arranged wedding and stuff like that, I was thinking, it's kind of contradictory with Vulcan ideology of logic, though? Because you would think the logical thing to do would be to stay at a job that you're happy with, rather than go back and marry someone that you've only met four times. I understand where you're coming from, that uh, you don't think that maybe an arranged marriage is the most logical aspect of it. Mm. But I see their vision of marriage like a very traditional vision of marriage now, or like in, in Earth, how it's been like, oh, it's for procreation purposes. You don't marry for love, you marry for descendants, basically. And in that aspect, if you put it in that perspective, I think it's very logical that your parents choose someone for you and it takes all the emotion out of it and you don't have to bother knowing someone and it's just like, oh, it's going to happen. It's a natural biological thing. It's not a an emotional I love you thing. So they take that aspect out and they choose them for you and you you will choose them for your your daughter or your son. And that's how it works. It takes the emotion out of it. It's a transaction mm. rather than an emotional thing. However, still forcing people to marry regardless of what they're doing in their adulthood is not very logical, is what you said. She has an amazing job that no one has had before. No Vulcan has been on a human vessel in space as a science officer before her. So she's pioneer and they want her to drop it to get married and move to Vulcan for a year so yeah uh, that's not logical or I wouldn't consider it logical you know because it's, it's not even like she does it she likes it or not it's uh, the novelty and the uniqueness of her work that I think would entice Vulcans to continue having her there because it's like oh you're the first you're learning something different and yeah. doing something that no one of us has done before. And I think that would outweigh the marriage, but I guess not. I'm not a Vulcan. Yeah, I completely agree with you about the logical approach to weddings. When you phrase it like that, it does actually make sense logically. Uh, I think that maybe Vulcans could 
apply that logic themselves and she could choose her <laughs> own partner using logic i don't know i, mean, I imagine a vulcan dating site is pretty much like linkedin but yeah. in terms of her um, role on Enterprise, I don't know if she would be regarded as a pioneer by Vulcan because we see in this episode that the Enterprise is very much a curiosity to Vulcan. It's not something that they're intrigued by. They're not fascinated by it. I mean, they are, but it's not the kind of fascination that we would observe. They're fascinated by it in terms of, oh, look at this species who's less advanced than us, doing the best they can, or making efforts to do what we do so easily. I think there's a condescension to their curiosity. Yeah, but... Um... I would imagine that T'Pol being on the ship of humans, like the Enterprise, would be regarded as a step down rather than a step up. That's because Vulcan are dumb. I think if I was the first human, like if we, for whatever reason, got to space and we discovered a new species that were just about to go to space as well. And I was the first person on that crew that wasn't the same species. I would consider myself in a high regard, because that would be the first. And I think maybe, yeah, for sure the Vulcans don't agree. They want her out of there. Or that's my opinion anyway. I think they don't feel like her mission is important or worth the trouble. But I think maybe for her it is, because she decides to stay. Spoilers for the end of the episode, but yeah, <laughs> she decides to stay. She does. Uh, rather than go get married with a guy she doesn't know. I mean, why would she want to marry a guy that she doesn't know, having trip in her quarters that she knows? Yeah, they handled it well, and they didn't... The conversation between herself and Trip about arranged marriages, I think... It's a very delicate line to tread because it could easily come across as preachy from Tripp's perspective or could come across as him basically criticizing her culture, which he is, but doing it in a way yeah, that and, is... Yeah, and she calls him out. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, as well, I did notice he says arranged marriages went out with slavery. Like, they definitely didn't. There's still arranged marriages on yeah. today. <laughs> There's still a thing right now. <laughs> Okay, so I have another question for you. What are your thoughts on the Irish kids' questions? Loved the questions. <laughs> and the answers given. Loved, loved the questions, loved the answers. Because one of the first things we see... No, it's not the first thing. but We see Trip go into the canteen and they have the food laid out in these little kind of cubbies. And I'm like, okay, this is not replicated food. That's pre-made it's put into these for them. And he says the chef made a pecan pie. So I'm like, there's a chef. Who's this chef person? Because we've had this discussion before about whether there's a chef or they use replicators. We now know there's a chef. And one of the kids asks, what do they eat? And we got an answer on that there's a greenhouse. And they also resequence certain proteins. I presume that's how they get their meat substitute or whatever. Yeah, because and fish. They don't have livestock. So yeah, loved the kids' questions. Absolutely was there for the kids' questions. Even the question about where does the stuff go when they flush the toilet? That's a great question. And that is a question that I still have with planes. I know that they vacuum seal it and I know that they have to do something with it. It's not just sitting there. Yeah. But it's a question that I have had about planes. So yeah, fair enough. What do you do about a spaceship with a bunch of humans 
and other creatures shitting and yeah. pissing everywhere? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I was glad to have something to criticize Trip for in this episode. His reaction to that question being put to him, I thought, was unnecessary and uh, quite stuck up. A poop question, sir? Can I talk about the warp reactor or the transporter? It's a perfectly valid question. They're going to think I'm the sanitation engineer. God help the, the sanitation engineer on that ship because <laughs> <laughs> clearly Trip clearly Trip thinks very lowly of him. <laughs> or her. Yeah, I, I think it was just a childish reaction like, oh... Oh, she gets the universal translator question, and I get the poo question? But that also speaks to his character. Like, I know he's not perfect, but yeah, that was funny. It's uh, weird, because they say that they take the shit and turn in, turn them into boots. What boots? They're, I don't, I don't know. Presumably they recycle it and turn it back into food at some point. <clears throat> or maybe, no, maybe they use it to compost the greenhouse. Honestly... That's what I was thinking now. Like, oh, the Martian, if the Martian told me anything, is that poop is good to grow potatoes. This is the second reference to the Martian that you've made I on know, our podcast. And I'm, I'm going to start keeping I love count. the Martian. <laughs> I love the Martian. Listen, the Martian is fake. I know that. There's no Mark that went to Mars and came back. I know that. But the science behind it is kind of okay. Like, I'm not a scientist, so I, I, I can't say it's 100% correct. But I do know that the author wrote a couple more books that are also based in space. And I think that he does good research into what is a viable solution to do in space. And I think that The Martian is a good example of, okay, I'm stranded alone in a place and I have a lot of poo. And poo is good to grow vegetables and stuff. So... <laughs> it makes sense that it went to the. <laughs> what makes sense that it went to the greenhouse? Okay, it's definitely, a composting definitely thing. better use than boots. Um. <laughs> I don't know if I would want to wear poo boots. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. But I mean, I think I would rather wear poo boots than eat food that has been grown on my crew members' shit. If I think about it. I think unless grows out to wear poo shoes and <laughs> think of, oh, this has been grown with our shit. But that is what happens now. We eat cow poo with our vegetables yeah. because usually it's made with cow poo and, and things like that. So that is why I don't eat vegetables. Yeah, it's grown. It's not made with cow poo. It's a grown in <laughs> shit. Whatever. Um, so the questions that the kids asked, okay, there was the one about the the universal translator there was do germs live in space which i love fox's response to yeah um and there was, was so excited the the poo question what was the first question that archer oh there was that question about dating very relevant to the episode. oh yeah very <laughs> very interested in this episode but yeah so i think there was just those four questions but they were all solid questions and i now more than ever want to meet the chef I know we're never going to meet the chef, but I no, just... No, so there, it's five questions then. What do you eat? Can you have boyfriend and girlfriends? The germs, the translation, and the poop. Oh, yeah, they did ask, That's what five. do you eat? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Interesting about, I don't know if you noticed this, the drawings. At the, so we open with Trip showing Flux all the drawings that were sent by these children. 
Did you notice that the drawing of the Vulcan was green? Yes. Because we literally only discussed it in the last episode. And I was like, oh my god, they were listening. Yes, because they are supposed to be green. And I'm still annoyed. Uh, did you notice that the captain of the Vulcan ship is grayer in skin tone than Tepol? That's what I meant last week when I, I said they usually turn them more gray than green. If you're going to put makeup on them, because he's wearing a bunch load of makeup, just make it green. No, I did notice that. I'm going to become more conscious of that now going forward. No, you're not going to be able to avoid seeing the bullshit excuses. Like, that's not that's not a Vulcan. I don't know what that is. Vulcans are green. So, the Vulcan ship. Am I right in thinking that they weren't actually there to watch, observe the human thing that was just a cover so they could deliver this message to T'Pol? And pick her up, I think. I, I don't understand how it's quicker to send an encrypted message than to send... I think it's um a protocol thing. Right. Like, an encrypted message is just a secret thing, and maybe correspondence has to be... You have to send it to Starfleet, and Starfleet has to know which vessel you're on, and then send it to you. And then you get it. I think maybe it's like the protocol thing and not so much the the sending of the information. Okay. Yeah, I suppose maybe if the Vulcans had just shown up and been like, we have a secret message for Paul, that would be a bit suspicious. Imagine if you're sending a letter through the post, if you just go to the person's house and put it through the mailbox, it's quicker and you skip the bureaucratic aspects of it. So I think that's why why she says it. And I think I liked the ending of Archer accepting help from them. We've seen that before in the first episode when he's apologetic to Paul and accepting of the fact that he does have these biases. We have that here again where he has to get over the chip on his shoulder against the Vulcans. His Vulcan phobia, you can say it, Vulcan phobia. He's Vulcan phobic. He doesn't trust them. And in the dinner, he's so angry and the captain is just being Vulcan. Like if you go anywhere with a suspicion that they are lying to you or they're hiding something to you, you're going to have a bias to think that everything they do is just suspicious and weird. And he's going into this dinner being like, I'm going to find out why they're spying on us. And he asked the question, why are you spying on us? And he wasn't there to spy on them. He was there to deliver a message, presumably. So, yeah, his own bias is making him angrier and an asshole, basically. And I think it's really cleverly done, because similarly to the episode where they're trapped in the caves and being all paranoid, the writers used Paul's Vulcan-ness and they played on that because it fed into the paranoia of her spying and keeping secrets from them when she was actually just being logical and calm. And here again, he's just being Vulcan, but it comes across that he's being distant or hiding something. Mm. And I think it works really well. And I loved T'Pol's line of... On Earth, it's customary to exchange personal information with someone you've just met. When you say it like that, it does sound completely ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, but it's the truth, though. Like, oh, no, no, it is. Yeah, you but... go, you go on a date with a, with someone that could be a serial killer, and 
you're like, oh yeah, so I'm from this place, I grew up here, I went to this university, I work in this field. It's like, it's crazy. you don't know them. But no, overall, I enjoyed that. There was a lot of character work done on this episode. Paul learned, mm -hmm. Archer learned, Trip learned, everyone learned. Reed learned. I was going to say, <laughs> except Reed and Mayweather. <laughs> Reen learned how to build a snowman. Yeah. Uh, also, listen. I... This is unrelated to the character development. This is just a commentary on the prop department. That is not how snow looks like. That is not how ice works. You can't try to go up a very high incline ice wall with no pick or anything. Obviously, he's gonna fall back and hurt himself. That is not how it works. Just because you're making everything out of spawn board or whatever, I don't know what they're making it out of, doesn't mean it works. The snow of the snowman doesn't look like snow. And I know it's just because of the time. It's 2000, 2001. I've seen this with Doctor Who. I've seen this with Supernatural. It's just annoying to see. It takes me out of it. It's like, this is yeah. not cold. Instead of making boots with the recycled poo, they should be making ice pick. Ice gear. Yeah. I suppose we probably should talk about that subplot, though. <laughs> with Re <laughs> not I guess. That much to talk. Not that there's much to talk about. Um, I did very much enjoy the big smiley head on Mayweather as they landed on the comet. Maybe when we post the episode we'll tweet out a picture of his, <laughs> his smiley head because it's just hilarious he looks just so happy to be on a rock of ice i mean i would too like it's not just a block of ice it's a comet in space and you're, you're yeah stand, like it is exciting i think mayweather is the most realistic view mm. on us if we were in that situation he's excited about everything because i i would be I would be thrilled to just see a comet up close. So I would die. I would have a heart attack. Like, I'm in space. <laughs> Dead. No, I'd be, I'd be way more scared. In fact, I probably wouldn't even go. I'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm not going on to a comet. Okay, so kind of related but not. If there was a program to send people to space tomorrow, would you sign up? I would. No. I would absolutely. I would. It, it, one One way trip to Mars. Hell yeah, I'm dying on Mars. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm eating potatoes made yeah. out of my poop. I'm doing it. No. I know how to no, survive. Okay. Good. Have fun. Have fun. <laughs> but no, I mean, just the excitement of being out of space and seeing Earth from outer space, I would sign up. And I think no. he would too. I think Mayweather is there because he wants to see everything and experience everything. Even if he's terrified, I want to think... Ideally, I would be the same. Even if I'm terrified and shitting my pants, I would be out there on an ice block in space, floating and hurting my knee because the ice is slippery. <laughs> no, you you wouldn't hurt your knee because you know ice is slippery, so you'd bring a fucking ice pick. You'd bring ice. Yes, gear. I would be bring <laughs> shoes with spikes and ice picks to help me out. Yeah. Also, there's no gravity. Is it big enough that there's gravity on the comet? I don't think there would be gra gravity. Well, what was it? It was something. They said it was like eighty-six kilometers big. Yeah, I don't think you have gravity, and at least not enough gravity to hold you down to the planet. I think you can just jump up and get over the the crater. They didn't think of that. 
No, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. I thought it was interesting, though, like, when they first make the snowman, first of all, as you say, it's a shit-looking snowman. Yeah. But the captain says to them, who's the sculptor, and be professional. And then next, next thing we come back, they fucking give him the snowman Vulcan ears. Like, he literally said the Vulcans are watching, we need to be professional, and they've just stuck a big pair of Vulcan I ears on it. imagine their conversation off screen being like, oh, if the Vulcans are watching, let us make it Vulcan. This is just classic English diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah. Oh, then that's another culture watching, we'll make fun of them. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that is it. That is it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty boring subplot. And obviously, they had to do it to get the whole archer throwing his grudges and asking for help and stuff. Yeah, like the plot of this episode was, um, I don't think they could justify maybe to the producers an episode entirely about treatment of Paul going to their quarters and talking about marriage. Yeah. So they have to throw something else into the mix. And I think this was it. Who are the two characters that are less important in this plot? Reed and Mayweather, sure, bye. And in this case, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe an engineer would have been good if you're talking about machinery and you're on a comet and your ship can go to shit. Like, maybe Trip would have been good to send on this particular mission, but alas, he was necessary to read the letter. As we know, Andrea, we obviously need the engineers for the missions to monasteries without technology, we need engineers to visit new planets without civilization and therefore without technology. We definitely don't need them when we're drilling. No, no. that's nonsense. You need the weapons officer to drill. I mean, Reed is the security officer as well as the weapons guy. So you'd think if anyone should be reading encrypted messages from yeah, Vulcan, like, it would it's be just... security guy. <laughs> but again, but yeah, okay. I think that if Reed was to read a Vulcan encrypted message and then translate it i don't think he would have reacted the same way and i think he would have gone to the captain being like i found this transmission i read it and you should read it too and that doesn't work i do feel the same but i also i'm conscious that i am very judgy of read and so i'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt we haven't had a read focused episode i'm trying to be open-minded don't give me that look. <laughs> trying to be open-minded. You're defending him now? No, I'm not defending him. You're defending, defending him. him. You're defending him by I'm just saying, I don't, acknowledging I don't know. your biases. I, You're defending him. I don't know what he would have done. Well, we, we, we will never know because I'm he taking, was not in I'm that situation. I'm taking the Archer approach. I'm trying to bury my biases. I'm trying to get over my biases. Well, we will never know because he wasn't the one that got the letter. But if I was the writer, I would have made Reed go and tell the captain everything that is in that transmission because he's the security officer and I think that's what he would do regardless of my biases I think that is what he would do with any transcription that was encrypted I think if they had done that and that's what he did I wouldn't have said that's out of character for Reed let's just say that if he's a security officer he would be like why are the Vulcans encrypting this letter yeah. it's not like a threat or like a code to fuck up the systems it's just a letter and they're encrypting it why and i think that's his role he's the security officer obviously so he has to be wary of incoming transmissions that are just hidden about the way that they behaved about it it's different because trip is not a security officer so for him it's not a threat 
to the crew for him is like, hmm, why are the Vulcans acting sus? On that, I completely understand why Trip feels bad having read the contents of the letter, but I think they're completely justified in actually having read the letter. Yeah. If they see that she's received an encrypted message from the Vulcans, I think they're perfectly within their right to be like, well, hang on. You told us you would let us know if you received communication from them, so... While I appreciate he feels bad and he's apologetic about having read the letter, I think they were within their right to investigate. Yeah, I think there is a fine line on what you can feel bad about. Obviously, you are invading someone's privacy, but you thought it was for a different motive than it actually was. Again, I think it was security and safety first that made them want to decode the encryption. And then... Turns out that, yikes, it is it is a personal matter and it's not a conspiring thing. So yeah, I think he should be sorry that he knows information that she didn't share with him, but not for the motives. I don't think the motives are wrong. I did like when he goes to apologize. Did you ever do anything totally by mistake that you weren't very proud of? No. <laughs> nope. Uh, I liked that the computer in her quarters that she gets her message in is almost an old-fashioned computer. I think it's the first time I've seen a computer like that in Star Trek, because obviously they're all usually like built into the desk or whatever. But if you think about it, if we were to make now a Star Trek thing from nothing, like another Star Trek universe or whatever... I don't think that we would make the ships like this. Because if we're evolving from what we have now, that is already old to us. So we're not going to use it on a ship. Like, our ships will have transparent Tony Stark technology. Uh, more like Discovery than Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah, I was thinking about it because, like, obviously the first thing we see is Trip showing these drawings, and the drawings are on paper. I'm like, we definitely don't usually see paper in Star Trek because, you know, everything is on computers and stuff. And I was like, where did we get the paper? Probably recycled poop. But how do how did the paper get to them? I think there's a mail room on the Enterprise. Yeah, but how did how does it get there? Well presumably they print it off. Oh. Oh. If you're gonna print them off, then just show them on screen. Could they have beamed them? But you have to be close to beam them. Which actually, I was thinking this during the episode. Why didn't they just beam Reed and Mayweather back onto the ship? And leave the pod behind? Yeah, fuck it. Why couldn't they beam the pod? Can they beam the... Are they at... Maybe the technology doesn't allow them to beam that big. And how did you move the pod from the beam room to the cargo bay? <laughs> oh yeah, you'd have to beam it into the actual... Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair point. It's also, again, very interesting, the same way with Unexpected, the episode with the alien pregnancy, that we see that they're interested in their tractor beam, but they won't share it. Same with the holographic room. So the people in that episode, Unexpected, they did share the holographic technology with the Klingons, but I think that was part of the deal for not killing them. But was it in that episode where they had the... No, it was in the episode before that, the Hoshi episode, Fight or Flight where the fluid drainers had a tractor beam and they didn't really know what it was. 
And I actually was thinking of that during this episode, because when they had a tractor beam, all these people seemed surprised. Even to Paul didn't seem to know what it was. And then in this episode, the both of them have a tractor beam. Maybe they... Because I remember them not using the word tractor beam. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, that's cool. They're describing this like they've never seen it before. Yeah, maybe they got more informed after that. Overall, I think that was a very solid episode. I don't know. I don't think it, it definitely. It's not my favorite episode so far, um, but it was definitely an episode I enjoyed because it was more character based rather than plot based, and I like I like that. I like that too, especially because the plot was around two characters that I like. Okay, so that was breaking the ice. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to our podcast and rate us on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, and hopefully everywhere else you get your podcasts. If you can't find our podcasts on your platform, please let us know. You can email us on podmeupscotty at gmail.com, and you can also follow us on our socials at podmeupscotty. It's on Instagram, TikTok, and uh, Twitter. Tune in next week when we'll be discussing episode 8, Civilization. Yeah, we will talk to you then. Thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Scotty, come in. Ready to beam up. Beam us up home. I'm here to see how two very different personalities come together. My God, what do you want? She's agreeing with you. (laughs) She she's wants also, to play. She's also here Bad for the shit. timing. <laughs> no, she's she wants to play and she's very she's got very bad timing.